0: So good morning, my name is Harry Strauss, I think most of you know that, but there are I'm sure new people since the last time I've been here, and uh, I used to be part of the pastoral team here at Forest Grove, and then I retired four years ago, only to, in a very providential way, quickly find myself at Horizon College and Seminary, which is just next door. I serve with field education, it's called ministry formation internship, and I also oversee a part of our our seminary program. I overlook the Master of Arts Ministry leadership degree and other responsibilities that I have there. So it's great to be with you. We actually have a number of uh, Horizon students that are part of Forest Grove Church. I'm just going to mention them by name, uh, but we have Sarah Shinman. Uh, She just graduated, was up here on the pulpit here, uh, was that last Sunday, or the Sunday before. Uh, Her husband Connor is a grad. He's here at Forest Grove too. Alexis Shinman, she's here, a sister. Ashley Power, she's here. Tyson was up on the platform here playing the drums. Drums, yes. Okay, that's what you're playing, Tyson. (coughs) Uh, Luke Fuglerud, who is behind one of the screens upstairs here. Uh, Grace Ford, I think I saw Grace here this morning as well. And we have a couple of part-time students at the north side, studying on the seminary side. So we actually have at least nine students that are connected with Horizon that are part of the Forest Grove Ministry and uh, largely uh, very much involved with the ministry that's happening here. We also have today Tyrone Dick. Tyrone, if you could just stand up for a moment. Tyrone is just a recent grad from Manitoba, but he lives here now in the city. And he's, uh, yeah, all right. And uh, he is our um, ambassador for the school. So if you have any interest in studying at Horizon, especially at the college level, Tyrone's the guy to see right afterwards on the other side of this wall right here. So we are in, thank you Tyrone, so we are in the Lord's Prayer. I think most of you know that. If you're visiting today for the first time, that would be new to you, taking a phrase at a time. And I have been assigned the phrase, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So let's recite the Lord's Prayer. It'll be up on the screen, and we're going, we'll go, we're going with the traditional version, but here it is you with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen Uh, we're working primarily from matthew chapter 6 verse 12 is where this phrase appears where the lord's prayer is there and um, those of you that would read the original version in matthew 6 you'll see it's for give us our debts if you were to go to the gospel of luke it is forgive us our sins We recited a more traditional version, in part, the Anglican prayer book, and perhaps other traditions as well. And the core idea really is of our debt of sin against before God, and also equally at the same time trespasses committed against us. So I will be primarily using the language trespasses, though sometimes I might use the word sin or sins as well. I went looking for images related to forgiveness, and so I went to Google Images and uh, typed that in, and right away, the first painting that came up is the one about uh, the return of the prodigal son by uh, Rembrandt, and you see it on the screen behind you. It's kind of a dark picture, but it's the story of the younger son. And uh, he asked his father for all of his inheritance, gets all the money, and goes off to a distant land and he squanders all the money and uh, then he comes to the realization as he's living really in poverty and great humiliation that, well, things would be better back at home with my dad as a hired hand. And so he, can, he rehearses a confession in his mind. He says, Father, I've sinned against you and against, uh, against heaven and, I, and against you. And so that when, when he comes back to his father land and where his father's living, father sees him from a long distance away and goes running out to greet him and throws his arms around him and kisses him. And, and he blurts out, the son blurts out his words, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. So just even in that picture, we have really the message that we're looking at today with the Lord's Prayer. We have someone that's asking for forgiveness. And we equally have, the, if we're looking at the human side of the father image here, we have someone extending forgiveness at the same time. Some have suggested this is the greatest painting ever done. Um, and at the core of it is this message of forgiveness, uh, which is, again, captured in the Lawrence Prayer. Henry and those of you that might be acquainted with him, the, the gentleman, he spent hours in front of this painting right here just meditating on, thinking about it, and implications for his own life. And then eventually prompted him to write a book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, because he just sat meditated, meditated, and looked at this, you know, and seeing the father's hands on his son and embracing him back and welcoming back. While I was in Google Images, I came across yet another image, if we could put that image on the screen as well, that kind of really caught my attention. Uh, it's called The Art of Forgiveness by Tiffany side. And I invite you to look at that and think about what does that image say to you about forgiveness? Obviously, on the left-hand side, you've got chains. On the right-hand side, you've got those chain links turning into birds that are flying with a great deal of freedom. So as we walk through this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, I want you to be thinking about this image, and we'll bring it up at least another couple times, but the implications of forgiveness and related to this piece of art that this artist uh, captured here. So let's step into the text. The first part, there's a part A and there's a part B, and the part A is forgive us our trespasses. There's something really striking about this. It's that verb, forgive, is in the imperative. You know what it means, imperative? It's a command. So Jesus is teaching his disciples. To come with the posture of the imperative in asking for forgiveness. Now, I don't know how that strikes you, but when I first saw that, I thought, oh my goodness. You know, this, this is kind of, well, kind of strong. But but Jesus is, that's what he's saying to us. He's saying, Come to the Father in the imperative. And so, so what it's suggesting to us is don't, don't come to the Father in terms of the prayer with kind of in a casual way. It kind of, there's, there's suggested here that there's something so important, so important to the believer of Christ, that when they pray this prayer, they come with a great deal of assertiveness and intensity but at the same time recognizing we're on very sacred ground here as we relate to the Heavenly Father. So it's not like, forgive us our trespasses. It's, Father, forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses. Please forgive us our trespasses. And anyway, yet we don't pick that up in the English language, but because the Greek is in the imperative, it speaks about an intensity that we're bringing to the prayer experience when we pray this prayer right here father forgive us our trespasses but some might ask well what sins? what debts? what trespasses? I don't know if you've noticed but sin is not really overly in today are you aware of that? kind of it's a challenging profession for Pastor Reg and I and others to be in, sin is not really in. I mean, it's really the core of our faith. The cross is at the core of our faith, and the cross presupposes that there's an issue. And the issue, of course, is sin, you know. I read a biography on Charles Haddon Spurgeon, going back, finished about a month or two ago, um, probably a name that many of you would not recognize, but a British preacher that was famous and lots of influence. And he lived from eighteen thirty-four to 1834 to eighteen ninety-two. You know, and he went to this church in in, in London. It was about a church of two hundred people, and in his early twenties, highly gifted man, and and humble, and and uh, but the church grew to five or six thousand people, and. And uh, they would print his sermons every Sunday. Monday they would print it and send it out all around the world and people would read his sermons. But, you know, the thing that really struck me about reading his biography was the extent to which the book reflected the reality of sin. And I kind of thought at times, uh, well, well, yeah, it is going back to the previous century, but I kind of thought the book is kind of out of date. But then I realized Who's more aligned with biblical revelation? Is it the cultural norm of today and the, and the world that we live in today? Or is it Charles Haddon Spurgeon back in 1850? And I would have to say it's 1850 aligned far more with the reality of sin than uh, we align perhaps with sin today and where we're at. Many of you know that I was brought up Roman Catholic. Um, and so went to church basically every Sunday and even more. I was an altar boy, so I'd be in church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday sort of thing, you know, and um, but in the Catholic tradition and other traditions as well, there is a prayer of confession early in the service, and Catholics still do it today, all the time, and, and here's the prayer. It's, it'll be on the screen. I should be on the screen right away. So the prayer simply is I confess to Almighty God. And you pray this out loud. And you pray it together as a group. So it's a a collective confession every Sunday. So think about this. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts, in my words, what I've done, And what I failed to do, and then you strike your breast three times in the Catholic tradition. I guess I did it more than three times there. But but it was a weekly reminder. It was a weekly reminder of the reality of sin that we need to deal with. And the striking of the breast three times is the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Because in that story, the Pharisee is confident in his own self-righteousness. But the tax collectors occupied with praying, have mercy on me, a sinner. And in that text, he's striking himself three times like this. And so the intent of that prayer is, and, and, in, and in Jesus telling that story, is that, that there would be this, this inner drive within us, that, that, that we understand something about our sinfulness so that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are actually coming in the imperative. Forgive us. Because there's, there is sin that's racked up in my life. Yes, I was forgiven as a believer that many years ago. But there's this constant, constant discipline. It's a discipline of bringing our sinfulness before God and confessing our sins. I mean, it's even reflected. So here's the Lord's Prayer in, in Matthew chapter 6. We're, in the, we're right in the heart of the Sermon of the Mount. And if, is there a place in Scripture where Jesus kind of, kind of really comes home to try to make people aware of the reality of their sinfulness and their need for grace and the need to forgive? It's, it's here in the, in the, God, in the, in the Sermon of the Mount. So you get Jesus talking about, well, when you say murder. Well, yeah, but, but what about anger? You know, I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister, well, will be subject to judgment. No show of hands here, but anyone angry this week? <laughs> okay, we got to show a man here. <laughs> I won't say your name. Okay, what about the adultery one? The lust one. Jesus says, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman... Well, and it could be both ways, right? A woman who looks at a man lustfully, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You know, it's said for men there are three main sins, girls, glory, and gold, three Gs. I don't know what it is for women, but I know that's true for men. And what goes on in the heart of a man is Churning can be churning with unhealthy thoughts that call for confession. So much so that I want to come to God in the imperative and I want to speak with assertiveness with him. Or you get preoccupation with treasures on earth. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven for where your treasure is there your heart is also. So again, just wanting to be sensitive and aware and hopefully broken and alert to the sinfulness that could be there in our hearts. So God is quick and ready to forgive. Uh, we see that we saw that really with the prodigal son and the story that is there, but he's quick to forgive. New Testament as well as Old Testament. So the verse from Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, 19, you will again have compassion on us, you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. So that's a really good picture, isn't it? In terms of you we take a tabulation of where we're sinful and where we have fallen short, and we forgive that, and God throws it into the, into the depths of the sea. You know? And I mean, this is an old joke, you know, sort of with that, and then God puts up a no fishing sign, right? So the, you know, maybe some of you haven't heard that, but, but there, there's that, that sense that it's not brought up again. So going back to Christmas, I read a biography on John Newton, and the author of Amazing Grace... His life motto after he became a believer in Christ largely was, I am a great sinner, but I serve a great Savior. Prompting him in part then to write this song, Amazing Grace, and the wonderful words that are there. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And so as we identify those sins, as we're made aware of them, as the Spirit of God brings them to our attention, and we we move to the Heavenly Father in the imperative, then we find quick and ready forgiveness uh, from God. And there's something really liberating about that truth. Uh, So much so that Chris Tomlin then took the song Amazing Grace in 2006, and he added that verse that talks about, My chains are gone, but I have been set free. So if we could go back to this picture about the art of forgiveness again, so that when we are caught in the world of sin and we're on the left side of the screen, and we pray for God, Father, forgive us our sins, uh, we move to the right side of the screen and uh, a sense of freedom and liberty that comes. So seek forgiveness. But there's more to this phrase. It is, forgive us our trespasses, that's part A, but it's as we forgive those who trespass against us, which is part B. As we plead with the Father to forgive us our sins, the assumption is that we are as generous in forgiving those who have trespassed against us. In other words, a forgiven person is really a forgiving person as well. It is really interesting with a prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses, 4, or verses 9 through 15. If we could put that next slide up, please. The only portion of the Lord's Prayer that is somewhat amplified or is amplified is the phrase that we're looking at right now. So if you have a portion of Scripture that is being amplified, what does it say? It's, it, it, it's, it's really saying this is critically important. So, I mean, I have on the screen the full Lord's Prayer and and on brackets where our our verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And then that verse, the only one with the Lord's Prayer, is amplified in verses 14 and 15. So let's go with the next slide. And what does it say? It says, 4. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, you know, always, it's always a concern, it can be if there's a but, you know? But, but, oh no, what is it going to say? It's going to say, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. No way. What does this mean? If you forgive Other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. In other words, part A of the prayer prayer is dependent on part B of the prayer. You know what it means? It means exactly what it says. It means exactly what it says. You know what it is? It's the parable of the unmerciful servant, which we find in Matthew chapter 18. You know, it's a a parable where Peter asks Jesus, well, how many times should I forgive? You know, I think he's pretty good. He says, ah, how about seven times? And Jesus, no. He says, forgive 77 times, at least in that passage of Scripture. And then he goes on to tell this story. A man owed a king 10,000 bags of gold which is a phenomenal amount of money. So there's exaggeration in the parable to drive home this point. So this man, he asks for forgiveness, and the king forgives him. And then the man is all happy, and he goes out, and he comes across someone who owes him a paltry, a hundred silver coins. But he doesn't forgive him. And then the king who hears about this calls the servant back in and says, What is this? Why didn't you forgive the guy? And so what the king does is he rescinds the forgiveness and the guy is thrown in the prison. And then you get this teaching from Jesus that says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. In other words, part A of the prayer, the Lord's Prayer here, is really dependent on part B. When we don't forgive, we undercut God's forgiveness to us. Uh, There's a really good book out there on forgiveness by Philip Yancey, came out just last year, the title is on the screen, The Scandal of Forgiveness, Grace Put to the Test. And he tells the story in that book about two peacemakers, and the story is positioned in the 1950s and related to World War II. And there are two peacemakers, Christian peacemakers, who visited a group of Polish Christians 10 years after the end of World War II. And these peacemakers, uh, they say, to these Polish people, would you be willing to meet with Christians from West Germany? They want to ask for forgiveness for what Germany did to Poland during the war and to begin to build a new relationship. At first there was silence. And and then one Pole spoke up and said, what you're asking is impossible. Each stone of Warsaw is soaked in Polish blood. We cannot forgive. You know, sometimes we say stuff like that, too. Sometimes we know people who say stuff like that. We cannot forgive. But later, so this is a Christian circle, and I don't know, Jens, he doesn't say whether it's a few hours later or a few days later. But So these are Christians. So later someone suggests we should pray the Lord's prayer. And so they begin to pray the Lord's prayer. Our Father, Martin, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And where are they going with this prayer? <laughs> They're going to end up right in this line here. Right this, this phrase that we're looking at right here. And they get to the line, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the Polish guy who really made, who was adamant and the other ones were with him, were were literally arrested in the prayer and stopped praying and others stopped praying because of the conviction in the moment. And the pole was convicted, and, and realized, he realized. he said, "I because if cause part A is dependent on Part B, Part A is dependent on Part B. It, they're, they're connected. The uh, Pole said, "I could no longer call myself a Christian if I refused to forgive." And so he forgave, as tough as it was, and and um, maybe complicated in terms of working out the reconciliations and uh, relational issues, but 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 he forgave. He forgave. Took the courageous step to forgive. So, like, what can happen when we are wronged and we have a grievance story and? but what can happen when we don't forgive? Uh, Some of the things that can begin to happen is we begin to rehearse the story over and over and over in our minds. Is that healthy? No. We can become bitter. We can become angry. You know, there's there's really another good book out there on on forgiveness by a guy by the name of Fred um, Luskin. Forgive for good. doesn't come from a Christian perspective, but he talks about this thing about being angry because because of unforgiveness. And he even cites a study from the University of Wisconsin where they looked at this specific question related to heart health, our physical heart, that where there's unforgiveness, one may be more prone to heart health issues. And equally the flip side of that, if we are forgiving, we are more prone to have a healthy heart. Isn't that, that, for me, when I read that, there was a fascinating study. But, but nonetheless, again, if, we, if, if, we're, if we're there like that pole initially, we, we cannot forgive, we become, can become bitter and angry. We, we can become emotionally imprisoned by the past. And in more pronounced cases of non-forgiveness, so imprisoned by the past, That the future, unfortunately, is largely eclipsed by the past. Which is an awful place to live life. Because there's so much potential in the future. If we we could go back to the picture of the art of forgiveness again. Um, If we don't forgive, we're living on the left side of the picture. That's where we're at. We're imprisoned. We forgive, and uh, there's liberty. Uh, free as a bird, yes? And I, that's kind of some of the imagery that comes out for me on that one. That there's a freedom and a liberty that comes. So how do we forgive? Well, as we move to the conclusion here, um, you know, I've had to forgive people. I've had to forgive my parents. I've had to forgive loved ones i 've had to forgive friends i 've had to forgive church people <laughs> none of you you know <laughs> But i i've i 've had to forgive people and um, and there 's something liberating about that i i I can honestly say publicly i i don 't carry a grudge against anyone, but man, some some un- unhealthy things have been done to me, and i don 't carry a grudge and so you know, it could be more sophisticated and more involved in what we're going to do here with the prayer right away, but if we could put the prayer up. But largely, it can come down to a prayer like this. I'm going to read it, and um, it's really an amplification of our sermon, part A, part B. You know, we seek forgiveness from God. We extend forgiveness to other people. And they're two, in a sense, they're almost two different sermons, but, but they're so integrated, you can't separate the two. They, they, they come together. So the prayer is, I'll read it. Our Father, and uh, I'm putting this more in the individual, but could be also in the corporate. Uh, forgive me of my sin for thoughts and words that have been inappropriate, for actions that have been out of place, and for what I have failed to do. Equally, I choose to forgive those who have hurt me Father, I forgive, and you identify that person, group of people, situation, and then I would conclude us in prayer. So I invite you to close your eyes. Um, I'm going to just pray this prayer slowly, and I ask you to invite you. I invite you to pray it with me. Again, be thinking about this imperative Father, forgive, forgive. So let's step into this. Our Father, uh, forgive me of my sin for thoughts and words that have been inappropriate, for actions that have been out of place, and for what I have failed to do. Equally, I choose to forgive those who have hurt me. Father, I forgive and you fill it in. If it is applicable to you. Father, I forgive. Lord God, again, thank you for the message of Christ. Thank you for the message of Christianity. Thank you, right at the core, at the core of who we are, is that we have someone to come to that can forgive our sins. Thank you, Lord God, for that. Neekly, Lord God, thank you for the call that is clearly here in Scripture to forgive those around us. Give us the courage, give us the capacity, give us the peace, give us the freedom and the liberty that comes with embracing a life of forgiveness. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.